Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Grove. It is good to see all of you here. Welcome to Blessing of the Backpack Sunday. This is a special moment in the life of our church because this is a chance, like Allie said, that we get to bring our kids in, not just for one big Sunday like we do every month, but we get to take special time to pray over them and to ask God to protect them and to guide them and to equip them for the school year that is to come. It's extra effort, extra focus, extra time in our service, because this is what we'd all acknowledge, probably the most important thing that we do, right, is to raise children. If you were to try to calculate and tabulate all of the time, the effort, the energy, the resources that you spend or spent raising your children, I mean, it's where all of our efforts go, right? It's where all of our energy as parents go. It consumes our thoughts. It keeps us up at night. Even after they've left the house, you think about your kids, you worry about your kids, you pray over your kids, you spend money on your kids, or you send money for your kids to your kids, right? Some of you were like, I thought I was off, they were off the payroll, but no, they found a way back on the payroll, right? They're the most important thing in our lives, which means that we would be willing to do whatever it took to ensure that they were healthy, fulfilled, successful, whatever kind of adjectives that we would use to kind of name kind of what we hoped for our kids, right? We'd do anything. My guess is there wouldn't be a single parent who wouldn't put their own life on the line for the, for the well-being of their child, whether it's literally or figuratively. It's the, it's the place where we can most closely access sacrificial love. And so if I said, listen, there's one thing that you can do that guarantees your children have as, as good a chance as any to be successful, to be happy, to be fulfilled. If you, could, if you just do one thing, and I know all of you parents are like already rolling your eyes because you know it's not that simple, but if I said... This gives you as good of a shot as any. This is, if you're going to invest time, effort, energy, resources to setting your kids up for success, to equipping them for their future, it's not going to be a school as important as education is to our kids. It's not going to be teaching them how to navigate society and company and other people how, do you, how you look people in the eye and shake their hand and say, yes, sir, no, sir, please, thank you, all of those things, as important as that is. It's not teaching them kind of the secret, you know, things about life that people don't really teach you, but if you know, then you kind of have a level of street smarts that other kids and people don't have, and that's really how you navigate or how to expand your network because that's really more important than, you know, your earning potential is your ability to connect with other people. It's beyond all of those things. All of those things are good and fine. I'm not saying don't do any of those things. But if there was one thing, and I said it's better than all of those, and I gave it to you this morning, would you do it? Well, we're going to try. We're going to find out. Because we're going to talk about, I think, the one thing that positions our kids for success in life. But you're going to have to change your definitions a little bit. This one thing means not that they won't ever encounter problems, doesn't mean that they won't ever get their heart broke or be sad or 
find failure in life. It doesn't mean that they're not going to have setbacks or struggles, but it means that no matter what comes their way, they'll be able to navigate it, right? Because ultimately, as we've all learned, your ability to overcome the challenges, the setbacks, the stops, the starts, the sidetracks, the failures, the sadness, the disappointment, the heartache and heartbreak that comes our way, like our ability to get through the difficulties, that's far more important than any of the little wins that we have along the way. And so we're going to look at a passage of scripture that I think helps us understand like the one thing, if we can do one thing as parents, if we can do one thing as grandparents, if we can do one thing as aunts and uncles, and if we can do one thing as a church community who's blessed to have all of these kids in and amongst its walls and inside its doors, this is the thing that I think will lead them to a successful life more than all the other things. And it's actually, it's actually an answer or it's a, a place to find an answer to questions. Because from the moment they start talking, right, our kids start asking us questions. Some of you may be in a particularly heavy question-laden season in your kid's life. They want to know why or about all of the things, whether it's the world that they see or animals that they experience. They just are these constant observation machines and they want to understand how it all works, right? And then as they get a little bit older, they somehow shift and enter into this place where instead of asking all of the questions, they seem to know all of the answers, right? Maybe you're in this season as your kids have gotten older. They don't ask any more questions because they know better than everyone. In their 12 years of experience, they have mastered the known universe and they have every answer possible. But ultimately, every question and every kind of attempt to explore the world and navigate the world, whether they're asking this question out loud, most of our children's lives are spent wrestling with a couple of big questions. I think there's three questions that ultimately every child, every teenager, and if you don't have these questions answered by the time that you become an adult, you see adults wrestling with these same questions. This is much of kind of what happens in one-on-one -on -one pastoral moments as a pastor, I spend time with adults who are still wrestling with these questions. And it's a question of identity, belonging, and purpose. Ultimately, every question, every challenge, every hard conversation that you're going to have with your children, now and until they're 90, is around identity, belonging, and purpose. Identity. Who am I? How am I the way that I am? Why am I the way that I am? Why am I not like other people? And why are they not like me? Why am I not like my mom? Why am I not like my dad? What are the ways that we're similar? What are the ways that we're different? All of these questions around likes and dislikes, interests, hobbies, activities. I do like that. I don't like this. I want to do more of that. I don't want to do any more of that. No, I won't eat broccoli because I don't like it, right? All of this is ultimately attempting to come to an answer around the question of who am I? And all of the ways that we're us. We talk about midlife crises as adults. Well, what is that? It's an attempt to rediscover a better answer to the question of who am I? 
well, let me go change my whole life to figure out a different answer that maybe is more satisfying than the previous answer that I was operating with. Who am I? So much of life can be drawn back to this question of identity. And then as we kind of put our arms around this question of identity, then it starts to become this question of belonging. Well, as I'm starting to learn who I am, now the question is, well, where do I fit in? These are my people. Those aren't my people. I like them. I don't like them. I want to spend more time with them. Why don't they let me hang out with them? Because I want to be more like them, right? Part of the way that we understand who we are is by also understanding who other people are. And so our children are drawn to friend groups and activities and hobbies because of inclusion and belonging. Sometimes we find our kids in friend groups that we wish they weren't a part of. Why? Because they offer them something that every other space and place doesn't offer them. And what's that? Acceptance and belonging. An opportunity to feel seen, to feel understood, which satisfies the who am I. And you're like one of us. I mean, kind of the, the uncomfortable truth is this, is this is how cults become so successful, right? They, they prey on people who don't seem to have a sense of belonging and identity in their life. No, 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 come be a part of what we're doing. This was why CrossFit was so popular for the longest time. Not to connect CrossFit to a cult, but, you know, if you want to make that connection, go ahead. Right? Because it's a place of belonging. And it gives you a sense of new identity. This is why... Never mind, I'll stop there. I'll stop there. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of emails if I keep going this morning. But belonging is the second question that all of our children and teens wrestle with. Is like, where do I fit in? Where's my place? Who's my, who else is my place? This is probably the most painful part of like middle school and high school, right, parents? Right, teenagers? Who are pretending like I'm not talking this morning, they're just going to ignore me? Because it's like, is that like uncomfortable spot? It's hard. Like, the cafeteria, it's the worst place on earth. You walk in and you just like wave of terror because it, puts at risk that sense of inclusion and belonging. You know, in the brain, exclusion and societal, you know, rejection registers on the same level as physical pain. We're hardwired to want to belong to people and to find a group that we fit in. Then the last question is this question of purpose. Identity, belonging, purpose. Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? What do I want to be when I grow up? Like, how do I contribute? How do I make a difference? Ultimately, these are the three questions that all people wrestle with, and especially as they get young. Now, adults here this morning, you might still be wrestling with a couple of these questions. You've got that identity piece down. You've got belonging down, but you are still, at 62 years of age, struggling with this idea a purpose, like how do I make a difference? What is my unique contribution to the world? I've got a whole group of friends uh, who won't watch the sermon, so I'm going to talk about them. Uh, but they've got the identity and belonging piece down. They have no idea what their purpose is. Which is like that dissatisfying realization that working nine to five for the next couple of decades of your life is like this? This is... This is this is what we're doing? Like, this is, it's frustrating and it's like unsatisfying because we know that it's hollow. We know that we're 
designed to be a part of something bigger than ourselves and contribute to that, we are trying to figure out what it is. Now, here's the problem with those questions. Not that we're asking them, because it's so normal for everyone of every age, particularly our children, to ask these questions. The risk and the problem is that there are bad answers to these questions throughout our entire world. All sorts of places have all sorts of ideas and answers to who you are and where you fit in and what, what your like, purpose is, what you can contribute. This is how social media wrecks lives because we see this false reality that has a false answer to these questions of who are you? Well, not as much as everybody else. And where do you belong? Well, apparently not anywhere good. And what's your purpose? Well, apparently you don't have one because you're not traveling to a new place every other week doing these incredible things, right? You start to look at the world and you start to draw conclusions about everybody else's answers to those questions. And then you have those same nagging questions without satisfying answers of your own, and we struggle. And so ultimately what we do is we are looking for satisfactory answers to those three important questions. This is why some of us, we lean into career success. We think that ultimately it's going to provide an answer to the question. Others of us, it's in popularity and friendships and our network, because if we can have a place with people that we like and aspire to be like, then that answers those questions for us. And others of us, it's just material wealth and success. Well, if we just make enough money, then we can insulate ourselves from kind of the uncomfortable parts of these questions and the answers that they have. And we all go searching in our own directions and chasing after all of these different things because we're trying to find these answers. And so back to the one thing. If we can do one thing for our children whether they are six or 56. It would be to show them where they can find the best answer to all of these questions. So this is taken out of Psalm 78, and this is an attempt to remind a generation of people where they can find the best answer to the most important questions. This is what the psalmist says. He says, tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might, and the wonders that he has done. Tell the coming generation. This means this stands forever, because there's always a coming generation. So whether you're a teenager, or you're a grandparent, or you're somewhere in between, there is a responsibility and an opportunity for us to tell the coming generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, and his might, and the wonders that he has done. This is why we gather in church. This is why we sing songs about God's goodness and about God's faithfulness because we are reminding ourselves of who God is and we're reminding ourselves of what God has done. This is essential. This is why when we ask parents when they're baptizing their children, will you bring them to church? Will you teach them the stories of the faith and the songs of the faith? It's because eventually there's going to be an opportunity for them to make a decision for themselves about what it is that they believe. And ultimately, this is because it's going to matter where they go to get answers to these really big important questions around identity and belonging and purpose. 
And this is where the psalmist goes. He says, listen, you've got to tell this story over and over and over again about who God is and what God's done. So that, so that they should set their hope in God and keep his commandments. Because this is the simple truth. When we recognize that we are a part of a larger story about who God is and what God has done in our life and in the lives of all people who've come before us, it reminds us of answers to these important questions. It reminds us that if we know who God is and what God's done, then we have a sense of discovering who we are and what it is that we're supposed to do. That they should put their hope in God. Hope, this sense, is like a full commitment and a trust. It's like if we were to do trust falls here as an exercise or activity, you know, where you stand on the edge and then you fall back and you hope people catch you, right? You don't put any hope in anything while you're standing there. It's that moment that you kind of let go and you start to fall. That's what hope looks like in a tangible sense. It's connected to trust. This is the places where we go to find answers because we're all hoping in things, hoping that they provide answers to all of these questions, right? This is, for us adults, what has shaped so much of our lives is the places that we have put our hope in. And it's not that they're bad in and of themselves and education and career success and friendships and a great marriage. Those are all great things. The problem is they're not capable of answering every question that we have, or at least they're not the most important ones. They're good things, they're just not the best thing. And so what the psalmist is asking us to do is to teach our kids these stories of faith, to remind them of who God is and what God's done so that they come to know what their identity is, that they are children of God, that they belong to God and to God's people, that there's a place for them in Christian community, in a church community, so that they can be equipped to go and to serve God and to serve God's people. These are the answers to the questions. Now the details get more complicated, but the big answers to the most important questions are all found in faith. They're all found understanding our relationship to God and what God is and has and will do for us. This is what the psalmist is telling us, that we have to remember if we truly want to bless our children, if we truly want them to be successful in life, in the way that really matters, then we help them understand the part of the larger story that they're a part of, that they've been created in the image of God, which means they're enough, despite what friends or social media or anywhere else in the world tries to tell them about who they are, that they're a beautiful created child of God, and that's enough. They may be different from other people in certain ways, but they're not deficient from other people. There's a place that they can belong. It may not be the place that they immediately want to belong to, but there's always a place for them with and amongst God's people because they too are a child of God. And beyond their career, beyond what they do to make money in life, beyond how they spend their free time or the hobbies that they choose for themselves, their purpose why they're here is to continue to play a part in the story, to continue to help create heaven on earth. 
just like all of the other people of God have done before them. This isn't a one-time thing that we'll do. But if we can continue to point back, point back, point back to the stories of faith and to share our own stories about how God has been faithful in our life, despite our failures and despite our faithlessness, if we can point back to the faithfulness of God throughout our life, it helps our children learn these things so that when life is hard, when life doesn't go the way that they want, when they don't make the team or they get rejected by that that boy or that girl or they you know, get fired from that job later in life, all of those things you can navigate because it doesn't challenge any of the answers to the most important questions in life. And that's, we can do this one thing as a church to teach our kids, to model for our kids, to remind our kids Then we can have a generation of children who know the most important answers to the biggest questions that they'll ever ask. Friends, let me pray for us as we get ready to celebrate communion. Gracious God, our lives are filled with questions, with searching for answers that are not always accessible. So God, despite the places that we look, help us turn to you. Help us to find in you the answers to the most important questions that we ask. And help us to teach our children to do the same. Equip us, strengthen us, and inspire us to teach them, to shepherd and model for them what it looks like to put our trust in you. We pray this in your name. Amen.